So the Olympic torch, I think I have a picture here, is a flame carried by athletes from Greece all the way to the host city for the Olympics. And the opening ceremonies include the lighting of a cauldron of fire from this flame. And it's usually one of the most magnificent moments of all the Olympic Games. And in fact, the final carrier is often announced as this big surprise. Perhaps it's a famous athlete or someone with significant achievement or milestone. And it's the last runner in the Olympic torch relay. And what you may not know is the torch has been transported in many different ways. It's been carried by rowers in Canberra. In 1952, it traveled by airplane. I don't know how that works. It has been traveled by horseback in Stockholm. Excuse me. In 1976, listen to this. The flame was transformed into a radio signal and transmitted from Europe to Ottawa, Canada, where a satellite triggered a laser beam to relight the flame in a particular spot. Amazing. The torch has been taken to space by astronauts in 2013, and the torch has been taken underwater, underwater, by divers into the Great Barrier Reef. It's also been carried on a camel and in a Native American canoe. Wow, right? Say wow. All right, thank you. In all of those creative scenarios, there are these men and these women who were the keepers of the flame. People who made sure that despite some of the most incredible circumstances, that the flame did not extinguish. That's a little bit of pressure. If I'm carrying it on a canoe, I'm pretty nervous. <laughs> as I have served as your pastor for these last few years, this is the word picture that the Lord gave me to describe our church. Erie First is so beautifully multi-generational. And this is a huge gift to our congregation. This is a huge strength to our congregation. And because each generation are keepers of the flame, their job, their goal, their assignment is to pass their faith and fire for the Lord to the next generation. We see this sort of flame-keeping, generational passing assignment in the scripture. And I want to look in two scriptures today. First in Joshua 1. I want to take a close look at it. But let me give you a backstory. So Moses is from a certain generation. He's a leader in the Old Testament. And he dies before he ever gets to the destination, before he ever gets to the promised land that he's taking the people. And he commissions a man named Joshua to carry it on, to take the flame and to bravely lead into the promised land. Now God comes to Joshua personally to give him an exposition on courage. And if you ask me, this is the best leadership text of the Bible, okay? This is the best leadership text of the Bible because it's as if God reaches down and grabs Joshua by the shirt collar and says, listen, <laughs> here we go. I'm about to give you a giant assignment. So listen, Joshua 1, 3 through 9. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. See, see God's saying, listen, I, I promised this to Moses. Now I'm transferring this promise to you. You see that? 
No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses. So I'll be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. See, God's saying, I said this to Moses, but I'm reminding you. Now I'm reminding you that I say this to you too. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Say this one with me one more time. Be and all right, let's try that again. Be and courageous. He's saying that over and over. Do you think he wants them to remember? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So here are some things we see in Joshua 1. God's promises are attached to assignments. God's promises are attached to assignments. In the first few verses of Joshua 1, God says, listen, take these people uh, take them across the Jordan River into the land. Your territory is going to be this certain place. He lays it out really clearly. And then he says, and you know what? I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you every single step of the way. I'm going to give you every place you set your foot. And this promise transferred to Joshua because God's cause never fails. He told Moses to do it, and he didn't get to accomplish it in full. So he commissioned Joshua to the task. And Joshua gets all the promises that God has attached to this assignment. And so Erie First Assembly, we have a clear assignment. Now its wording may have changed over the years. There's hundreds of ways to say this. But we just said it a few moments ago. We are to love God and his people. Build Jesus-centered lives, send out spirit-led disciples, and do this until the whole city knows and the whole state and the whole country and the whole world. And that assignment began with the generation before me and began with the generation before them and began with the generation before them, but it extends to us because it's not done yet. And the good news, the great news is that the promises of God extend to us. The promises of God extend to me and extend to you because God, God's cause never fails. Promises come with the assignment. And you know what's amazing to me is that the same promises that God made to Moses and then he made to Joshua are the same promises that God will make good on for us because God's promises come with his assignments. Okay, we also see this in Joshua 1, that God's presence is needed for the assignment. God keeps saying to Joshua, I'll never leave you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. So the same God that was with Moses and the same that was with Joshua is the same God that says that to us. I'm going to be with you. I want to be with you. Now, it's really interesting here because Joshua wasn't commissioned. He wasn't told to lead the people into the promised land until Moses had died. Until Moses had died. And here's why. Moses, if you remember, he was the great lawgiver. Okay, he was the guy that went up on the mountain and, and had the Ten Commandments and brought them down. Okay, he was about the law. He was the one who wrote down the Ten Commandments when God revealed them. He, by nature, represented Jewish law. But the law, though it's holy and good... We know the law could never give life. It could never provide justification. 
And so the, the law's entire purpose is to show us where we fall short. It's to prove to us that we need grace in the presence of God. And so Moses portrayed that the law cannot lead us into the saving and abundant life of Christ. The law cannot get us to the promised land. Do you see that? Moses was never going to get him there. He didn't know it. (laughs) But he was representing the law. And so he would never get them there. Because what gets us into heaven, what gets us into relationship with Jesus, it's not the law. It's by no power of us. It's the presence of God. And so Moses dying, that moment in biblical history was not like, oh, whoops, we need a leader. Joshua, what are you doing for the next 40 years? You got it in you? Uh, nose goes. You know? <laughs> Joshua's the only one who doesn't say he's out. No, no, that's not what happened there. Moses dying was significant because it symbolized it. It was a typology of the fact that the law and following the rules had to die for the presence of God and the grace of God to reign. And so Moses dies, and God says, Get up, get ready. Cross the Jordan. And God is saying, Joshua, you can't do this by following a set of laws. The Christian life is not by obedience alone. We will never be able to do this in our own energy. We need God's presence. We need his Holy Spirit. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to live in us and through us to live out our assignment. Isn't that good news? We can't do it even if we try hard. And so we have God's presence and Joshua's determination and the promises of God. And Joshua leads the people into the promised land. And he accomplishes what Moses could not do. Now, there's so many things we could talk about in that uh, particular uh, part of Scripture and what happens. But we're going to press the fast forward button for a minute, okay, through the movie. And they're in there. All right, ready? Spoiler alert. They get there. They get to the promised land. And Joshua and his generation, they live a life of great faith. They see countless signs and wonders. They, make, they have many victories, but they make one massive mistake. They make one massive mistake. And I want, this is the second part of scripture I want to look at today in Judges 2, 7 through 10. It says, the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Harris in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gosh. But after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, here's the mistake, read it. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. So by God's grace... This group of people, Joshua and the people, defeated the Malkalites. They crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. God made it so that he split the sea, right? They crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. They saw the walls of Jericho come down after they marched around them seven times. They even saw the sun stand still. Okay, this is the generation And the next generation, an entire generation, did not know the Lord or the work he had done in Israel. What happened? Where was this legacy of Joshua's generation? Were they so busy defeating armies that they forgot to tell of God's good works? Did they not encourage the next generation to encounter God themselves? 
so that when it was their turn to show up, they, they weren't able to encounter God? Did they get so caught up maybe in their own preferences and their own assignments and they forgot that people were coming behind them and they needed to turn around and walk with them? And that gap had a crippling effect on the next generation. They stopped carrying the flame. They stopped keeping the flame. And this great big God became so small in the eyes of the people that an entire generation could no longer even see him. This victory passage has a message in it so strong and so clear. And it's this. Every generation has tremendous responsibility. That all of the ground taken can be quickly lost if an entire generation is left unreached behind them. All of the victories, all of the advances for the kingdom of God can be worthless if we don't have a generation to praise his name loudly after we are gone. And when there is a generation, when there are keepers of the flame who have accomplished great and amazing works of God, there will be temptation to be critical of the upcoming generation. And let me tell you why. There will be temptation to preserve what we know is best, what we prefer, and what worked for us. It's human nature. It's human nature. But it's also the enemy Because think about this, the enemy knows that if he can get us to ignore, criticize, or resent the generation behind us, then the works of God won't get passed on. Then the glory of God will not be shown in the next generation. And so he knows if he can get us to to snub our noses, to to criticize, to, to say they're not doing it the way we would, that that can stop the legacy, that can stop the flame. Joshua kept the flame different than Moses. The leaders after Joshua did it different than him. Always the leaders of the next generation will not look like us, act like us, think like us, dress like us. Every generation will put their own flavor on the assignment that God has given them. But listen, here's the good news. It's okay because it's God's ministry, not ours. That's okay. It doesn't have to look like us. All it has to do is look like God. All it has to do is look like the goodness and the the glory of God and the goodness and the works of God. That's all it has to look like. And so what if, what if all of the assignments that God gives us on earth to be a wife or a husband, to be a parent, to to help others with their needs, a, a specific vocation maybe that God has called you to do, the place God has called you to live, what if all of those things are rooted in one giant assignment and that is to be the keeper and the passer of the flame? And that is so that the faith that you have experienced, the wonders and the goodness and the way God has answered your prayers and the way God has shown his faithfulness to your family is that somebody knows about that and that their faith grows. The flame of faith is all about the glory of God being revealed on the earth. And if we fail to teach the generation behind us the goodness of God, then what good are the rest of the assignments that we accomplished? Because there'll be no one left to carry it on. And if this is the case, then our faith has very little to do with us and much more to do with those who have come before us and those who are destined to come after us. Our life is like in the gap. It's meant to declare the good works in this generation that God has given us so that the next generation can carry it. 
Faith is always only one generation from extinction. And we are the ones who are entrusted to carry that flame to our generation and handing it off to the next. And when I get to heaven, I want God to say, you did that. You did that. You didn't just so focus on this. You saw it from beginning to end, and you made sure that generation after generation understood the glory of God. Because thank goodness the generations before me did that, or I wouldn't be here. And thank goodness that we're going to keep doing it, or they have no hope. Psalm 145, 4 through 7 says this, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak to the glorious splendor of your majesty and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Now, I think over the years, we have done a really good job passing the flame. I know many of you pour into the younger younger generation in all kinds of ways. In fact, some people are sitting without their spouse here right now because their spouse is in kids' church or in nursery right now telling them the goodness of God. I learned so much from the goodness of God from many of you sitting here in this room today. And I continue to learn now. Just this week, uh, Luetta Gross and I went to Bob Evans. I don't know if she's here. And um, we sat together. She's a longtime member of a very first. And, and she told me about the faithfulness of God in her life. And how he didn't let her down for decades. When she grieved the loss of her, of her daughter, God was faithful. When, when she's currently, there's some new struggles in this stage of life as her and her husband age. And God's been faithful. And she told me, listen, you're going to make it. You're going to make it through. And she stirred up my faith and she said, you know, I know it feels hard sometimes. But you're going to make it. And then she made me cinnamon bread and that helped. <laughs> she sent that home. My family appreciated that. But the caution that I feel the Lord is speaking to us in this scripture, the thing I think we need to learn is this. No matter what generation you are, traditionalist, boomer, Gen X, millennial, guard yourself against becoming critical or isolated from other generations. Particularly as other generations rise up in leadership. Because here's the thing. It would be easy to stand back, cross your arms, and even predict some of the failures that they're going to have. Because you know what? You've done that, been there. We know, but we got to fall and skin our knees too. But every generation needs the next. And we know that you, we, we, we need you. We desperately need elders and equippers into us. And we need to be that to others. And like every generation that preceded them, today's young believers need wisdom and kindness and counsel of previous generations to become the mature disciples they need to be to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. So here's just a few action steps this morning as I close uh, that, that will help us be keepers of the flame, okay? First, lean in. Lean in. Here's the thing. Don't distance yourself from other generations. If you are in your 60s, find someone in their 30s and cheer them on. Tell them, listen, I know you feel like you haven't slept since you had your first kid, but you're probably, you're high probability you're going to make it through this season. <laughs> probably. I mean, most people do. You know, just give them a little encouragement. If you're in college and you don't know a middle schooler, you're doing it wrong. 
Think about what it would be like if when you were in middle school, someone came to you and told you that everything these kids say and think is important that feels like it's crushing you right now, that's not going to matter in four years. What would that be like? Don't believe the enemy if he's telling you that another generation doesn't need you or, or doesn't think what your thoughts uh, are, are valuable. That takes you out of the places that we need you the most. Look to see where God is working and speak life and faith-filled words into those spaces and into those places. Second, encourage generously. We had a whole series about this in July, but you know, complainers have very little influence, but encouragers have a lot. So if you want to have influence to another generation, start by being an encouragement. Encouragement inspires courage. It stirs up courage. It's like water in the desert. It softens hearts. It cools tempers. It opens people up to receive what you have to give. All right, and here's the last one. Serve wholeheartedly. Jesus says we gain influence by serving others. And at some point, as we spiritually mature, Church becomes a place to serve and not be served. It becomes a place that when we serve, we are filled. It becomes a place that doesn't need to meet all of our own preferences and desires. And we don't like to hear this, but this isn't all about us. It's not. It's about the eternal things God is doing. It's about the unseen. And so find some place that you can serve wholeheartedly. And serve another generation. The legacy of Erie First Assembly is rich and it's deep. And I know many of you have worshipped here for, for the majority of your life. In fact, some of you have had generations of people in your families committed to this body. Some of your kids grew up here through the youth ministry and their pastors and their missionaries and teachers all over this nation. Some of you got baptized here and married here with the same carpet and you... <laughs> And you dedicated your children here. <laughs> Several of the staff, including me and Joel, were saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and discipled right here. Right here. We have a long history of reaching people for Christ. But we will not respect that history of changed lives if we stop reaching people. We won't respect that history if we don't pass the flame to the coming generations. Now, I know in the last three years there has been a lot of change. I know. I, I can't promise there won't be more. Actually, there will be more. There's got to be more. There has to be more. And I know that's frustrating sometimes and that's uncomfortable, but let me tell you that we need to keep orienting ourselves to reaching people instead of staying comfortable because we'll never get different results if we continue to do the same things. And the truth is this, there is a broken, hurting world out there that needs the love and the, our, of our Savior Jesus Christ. They need it. And we, we got to do everything. We have to do every single thing it takes for them to meet him. And God will give us the strategy, but we have to take the steps. And what I want to tell you this morning is we have to take the steps together. Every generation. We have to do this together. We are the keepers of the flame, and it is our serious responsibility to pass this faith onto the generations. It is our serious responsibility. 
The scripture says what will happen if we ignore it. The scripture says what will happen if we get caught up and focused on the things God did and not ever look to the things that God is going to do. So here's how we're going to end service today. I asked a few people if they would come up here to pray. Um, so you can come on up. One, I asked one person representing each generation. And I love, I had so many to choose from because our church is so beautifully multi-generational. So come on up. And would you all stand just in a posture of receiving? All right. So I, I asked Virginia if she would start. Let us pray. <laughs> that sounds better. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness in the past. We thank you for, for the trials that you have brought us through. But Lord, we know you have much more for us. Thank you that you are doing and sending a new move in this day. The focus and destination are the same, but the journey may be different. The means may be a little different, it's kind of like going to grandma's house in the old car with its limits and problems. But we were so excited to see Graham that it really didn't matter. Then we got a new, mo new car and it, it came with a new mode of travel. The travel was different, but the goal and destination were the same. So it is on our spiritual journey. Our de destination and focus are still on you but the mode of travel is a little different. As we pass the torch on to the next generation, may it be with the triple portion of your Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes. May our goal and focus remain on you, yes. the author and finisher of our yes, faith. Jesus. Yes, God. And may we can continue to, to be used by you, thus fulfilling your promise that the latter shall be greater than the former. So as we run this race, may your word always be the torch that we hold high, sharing others and pointing others to the way of serving you. Yes, amen, amen. Above my desk in the kitchen is a sticky note from Psalm 1850. It says, you have been loving and kind to me and will be to my descendants. Father in heaven, as you pursued my generation, I pray you pursue the next generation. Mm. And I pray they pursue you and your presence. Yes. As Joshua stood in the door of the tent of meeting, just to be near the presence when you visited Moses, I pray each leader in the next generations will pursue your presence. Yes. Yes. From Proverbs 3, so they shall find favor, good understanding, and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Yes. I pray they lean on, trust in, and be confident in you, Lord, yes, with all their heart and mind, yes, and they not rely on their own insight or understanding. Jesus. May they recognize and acknowledge you and your word in all their ways, and you will direct and make straight their path. For we know your word revitalizes, and your ways are health to our nerves and sinews, and marrow and moistening to our bones. I pray they honor you, Lord God, with their capital and sufficiency and with the first fruits of all their income so that their storage place may be filled with plenty and their vats be overflowing with new wine. Yes, we cling to the truth of Romans 8, that in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
Whether we are caring for aging parents or helping our own children approach adulting, or both, we thank you that you stand ready to make every turn of events and every transition work together for good to be your plan A yes, yes, if Lord. we follow you. Yes. Lord, we know from Psalm 51 you will not despise a broken and contrite heart. Yes. I plead your forgiveness for where we have turned from you. Have mercy, Lord. Jesus. You see each heart in this house completely and all your judgments are true and fair. Only you, Lord, can truly create in us a clean heart and renew yes, a right spirit yes, within us. Yes, then we will sing with joy. Jesus. Finally, I pray for Psalm 91:11. Father, give your angels charge over this generation to accompany, defend, and preserve them in all their ways of obedient service. And through this prayer of faith, release your rivers of living water to flow out of this generation. Yes, Lord. As a, as a daughter of parents and grandparents who have been part of this church for decades and decades, the truth that Nicole spoke today is, is absolutely that, 100% truth, that a family who builds their foundation on you, Jesus, um, cannot be shaken. And so, God, I ask that this prayer for this millennial generation, Jesus, of seekers, I ask them, I ask you to give them a desire for truth, yes, yes, yes. a desire to use their thinking, their creativity, and their, um, their abilities for you, God, and for your kingdom. I ask you to use this generation of millennials um, that they would influence their friends and draw them closer to the heart of God that the power and the influence of their relationships over their families and in their workplace would be evident, that their voice would carry weight yes, yes. at school, at work, at home, God, that they would be respected for, thy, for their diverse and creative thinking, but that they would be highly regarded for their love and passion for Jesus. Jesus, I ask you to give these men and women wisdom, discernment, insight, and understanding, and also for a deep desire for truth, leaving any distraction behind and desiring just you, Jesus. God, we just come so humbly before you. Uh, just as a generation, you've given us passion and excitement to move forward. But God, we ask that you help us to stand still and look down on the shoulders we now stand upon today. God, humble our hearts to see that we would have never made it here without the generations before us. So when we get too excited and run too far ahead, God, help us to stand still and be reminded of the truth and wisdom that has been passed down to us, that we stand here as an answer to thousands and thousands of people's prayers, remembering and knowing that people have knelt and cried for our salvation to still be carried on to the next generation. God, we thank you and we ask that you help us to share your truth to the generation coming after us that is coming up. God, help us to see your will in your way in their life, not our desires of what we think is true, but your desire of what is true and right and noble. 
God, we are so blessed and we ask, God, help us to teach your word so passionately that they pick up the flame, that they pick up the torch out of excitement to see just the rich history in the scripture and through our life here at Erie First and in um, just this little, little pin dot on the world. God, that they see that your heart is for the nations and that we pass on that foundational truth that your heart is to reach all who are lost. So God, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we ask that you humble us to look up to those who've come before us and to look behind us and to pass on the torch with passion and excitement and with honor. Lord, I would just like to pray for the generation, my generation, Lord, and that you open our eyes to see what cannot be seen in the normal day. I pray that you give us strength and wisdom for us to get through these trials in life that we have. I pray that you open our eyes and that we can see you clearly, Lord, and that um, we just focus on you and focus on what matters, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you show love to all the people that need love and then they see you, Lord, and they see that you're working in many different ways, God. In your name I pray. but if you need to get going, that's okay. We're just gonna sing uh, with one voice in all generations, Jesus, the name of Jesus. And so have a great week. Thanks for letting me challenge you with the word of God. We'll see you next Sunday. Your name is like high.